to you today about what Jesus says about God. On this Father's Day, I want us to dive into this question. What does Jesus, what does Jesus say about God? Today I would like to talk to you about that reality. What does he say about him? He knows better than anyone else would. He has been with him since eternity past. The Bible says that he's the exact representation of God. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that the Word was God, that he was with God in the beginning, and that this Word that was with God became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. If anyone can speak truth about the supreme being, Yahweh, that we call God, the sovereign above everything, then it will be the one that's been in communi communi communicative relationship with him from eternity past. And if we believe Jesus to be exactly who he says he is, then no one is better fit to reveal to us the reality of who supreme being God is. So what does Jesus say about God? Oftentimes, we make a switch in the way that we read the Bible, and I think it's a bad switch. And that switch is, is that we turn to the Bible and we say, okay, what does the Bible say about the way that we do life? And the Bible, obviously, basic instructions before leaving earth. We heard songs about it, and we've heard that uh, uh, description of the Bible. But the Bible is more than just instructions. I dare say the Bible is more than just rules. Right? When we look at the Bible as rules, then it becomes nothing more than a new age law, per se. We make the trade of looking at the Bible for the way that we ought to live as opposed to beginning to look at the Bible in regards to what it says about God. What does the Bible say about God? When you read the Gospels, full of instructions from Jesus, the predominant focus shouldn't be what you're supposed to do, even though you get that. I'm not saying that you don't get that. But the focus as you read the gospel is, what does the gospel tell me about God? What does it tell me about him? Because I'm going to let you know the truth. There is no way you can walk according to God's way unless you know God himself. God himself has to be alive and well in you for you to be able to live God's way. And the only way that God is alive in you is that you learn to sit and park and read the gospel and read the Bible and say, God, what does this say about you? I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. And Jesus, for sure, is a person that can say, I'm going to tell you about someone that I don't just know about. I'm going to tell you about someone that I know very deeply, very intimately, because I came forth from him to do his will. As a matter of fact, I don't do anything unless I see him do it in heaven. I walk in perfect rhythm and harmony with him. It's incredible. Now, how does this Jesus, we believe him, then we have to believe his testimony. What does Jesus then say about God? Isn't it incredible that Jesus reveals God predominantly as Father? Jesus introduces and reveals God predominantly as Father. There are so many ways to describe God and to refer to God that would be completely accurate. He, he is Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. He is sovereign. 
He doesn't need anyone at any given time. Whatever he sends his word to do, he does it. He is Lord over all. He is King of kings. He is creator of the universe. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He can see everything. But Jesus, instead of calling us to focus on the majesty and the power of God, reveals to, God, reveals to us God from an intimate level. He says, He is Father. Uses, Jesus uses no other word, picture, description, or role more than the one of Father. And this he did not only because he was, he was and is the Son of God, but because he wanted us to understand how to approach God. Now why did Jesus spend so much time talking about God as Father and introducing God that way to those who follow him? So what's the deal there? Obviously, if Jesus refers to God as Father, you know, and he refers to him that way to those who believe in him, then Jesus is introducing to us a way that we are to see God, almighty, supreme being, and the way we are to relate to him. That's key, right? So why did Jesus do this? Why is this the main description of Jesus? Well, very simple here, because that is who God is to those who believe in Jesus. God is Father to those who put their faith in Christ. John chapter 1, 10, 11, 12, and 13 reads this way. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, in other words, he came to this world, he came to his own, many did not receive him, but those who did, right, those who believed in him, to them, he gave the right, notice that, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood. In other words, you weren't born into this because your great, 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 great grandma was awesome. Right? Not born of blood, not born of the will of the flesh. Listen, you weren't born into this because you made a decision for Jesus one day. That's a fallacy. Not of the will of men, but they were born of God. Jesus describes God as Father because that is who he is to all those who believe in the firstborn of all creation, to all of those who believe in Jesus. I want to stop right there, and I want to ask some very important questions that I think are going to be the most important questions that you'll meditate on today. Do you believe? Do you believe today? That God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to teach us the way, die on the cross for our sins, and give us eternal life in his resurrection. Do you right now have a yearning, a yearning desire today to have a relationship with God that you can anchor your life, your dreams, your goals, your passions in? Are you today tired of the sins that plague your life, and are you hungry for peace and joy and a life worth living do you long to say with certainty that you not only know about the god of the bible but that you know him intimately if when i ask these questions something in you stirred up if when i ask these questions something in you just woke up and there was a resounding over and over and over again yes Yes. Yes. You know what that means? 
That means that, not that your great-great-grandma had something to do with it, even though she may have. That's not the main deal. That means that, no, that didn't begin with the decision that you're making. No, it means that the Holy Spirit of God is alive, leading you to God. It means that God, through his Holy Spirit, has brought certain convictions that when you hear those questions, you say, yes, yes, yes. And you yearn for those realities. Why? Not because of you, but because of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is leading you to the Father. This work does not begin with you. It begun with him. And I'm talking to saints here. I see saints here, and I want to describe something to you. There was such an instability in my walk with Christ. And the reason why was because I felt like all of it hinged on my decisions. And I want you to understand decisions matter. To decide for Jesus matters. We have a free will. I want you to understand that very clearly. But the reality of the matter is that I know Jesus not because I decided for Jesus. I know Jesus because Jesus decided for me. Jesus begun this work by awakening me to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, to the reality that I hunger and thirst for life in him. And when he awoke me to that reality, then I had to respond, and I found him to be irresistible. Today, as you hear those questions, the answer over and over and over again is yes, yes, yes. It is because the Holy Spirit is awakening you to him. And what does it mean then that the Holy Spirit wants us to be born again? And I know that we're saints here, but I, I think it's worth thinking about again. Can we do that? But what does it mean that we're born again? It means that God has forgiven us of all of our sins. Can I get an amen? It means that God does not allow sin to identify us anymore. It, mean that God, it means that God gives us a new heart with new desires. And so now we not only uh, battle with temptations and the such, but we also have desires that are godly desires to bless Him, and we can nurture those and grow in those desires. It means that God awakens our spirit fully to His voice because God's primary desire is that we would learn to listen to His voice. It means that He dwells in us, never leaving us alone, no matter what hell on earth we face, giving us the power that we need for everyday living. Ain't that good news? It means that he has promised us eternal life with him. It's good news. Now, why in the world does God do all that? We live in a world that, unfortunately, relationships have been so broken that it's so hard to receive a God who's fully good without some other motives. Some of you may be here and you may wonder, okay, God did all that, but what, what's in it for God? Why did he do all that? What's in it for God? And I want to tell you what the deep secret is. There is something in it for God. I want you to know what it is. You ready? You are. You are. You are. Because even though this world may not value you, even though those people that surrounded you may have spoken negative things over you that weren't true, even though media is changing the roles of fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, and even though today we live in an age where age and people at different ages and different stages are not sacred anymore, even though right now you're being bombarded with lies about who you are and your worth, God sees you 
is so valuable that he bankrupted heaven to draw you close to him. You are. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't looking past you. He was looking to you. When Jesus died on the cross, he was looking at you. And he longed for you. I don't know if you're here today and you struggle with this idea of loving yourself, of accepting the fact that you have value. But if you're going to get to that place, I know this truth. It begins by understanding that supreme being wants you to relate to him as your father. And he has paid the highest price to let you know what's in it for me. It's you. Just as you are. With all your brokenness. With all your inabilities. You are all my delight. You are. He gains you. He loves you. He died for you. You have nothing to offer him at all, whatsoever, except you, because he loves you. This is why the scripture that we just read says the following, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And I want to focus on that latter part. To them, he gave the right. He gave the right. What does that mean? That word right means authority. That means dominion. Notice it doesn't say to them, uh, it doesn't just say God made them children. And it talks about, you know, the fact that God did a work. But it also talks about something that God releases. And what he's released to you is dominion and authority. He's given you the right. And if God gives you a right, I want you to know something. He wants you to walk in it. You with me? Why do I love America? Why do I love the government of America? Why do I love Congress and the Senate, the Supreme Court, and the, and the presidential cabinet? Why do I love the Constitution? Because we have rights. And you don't know how good those rights are until you live in a place where you don't have rights. And the reality is that that's most of us here, including me, right, as an adult. We have rights, and we should walk in them in meekness, we should appreciate them, but if we have rights, we have to take that authority that's been given to us, and we have a responsibility for our country. Do you believe that? Right? But we have a better, greater, more excellent right, the right to walk as children of God. You have been given a right, and God expects you to walk in it. I don't know who said it. I give you a democracy if you can keep it, Right? I don't know who said that, but I tell you, it could be said. God has made you children. He's given you that right and dominion, but you got to operate in it. you got to operate in it. What does it mean to be children of God? So God is my father. Is that a good deal? I don't know. Is that a good deal? It's not a good experience that I had with a father. What does it mean that God is my father? Well, I'm so glad you had that question. What does it mean? And we'll close with these points about what does it mean to be children of God and that God has given us this right. It means this. Number one, you are no longer children of the spirit of disobedience. When God is your father, you're no longer fathered or enslaved by a spirit of disobedience. 
And I'm going to read through several scriptures very quickly just so that you can see them. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In other words, outside of Jesus Christ, outside of the Father, we are under a spirit, and that spirit is the spirit of disobedience. It manifests in many different ways, but it's still the same deal. Disobedience, right? Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Children of disobedience that led to wrath. By nature, we were on our way, not to God's mercy, but to God's full justice until it was paid in full. Can you imagine that? But God, rich in mercy because of, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him. So you were children of disobedience on the way towards God's full wrath. But because of God's great mercy, he plucks you out of that reality and then sits you in the place of Jesus so that just as Jesus relates to the Father as Father, so do you. And just as Jesus walks in the authority of the Father where they said, man, we couldn't arrest him. Look at the way he talks. Nobody talks like him. So you can talk and operate because you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. He has seated you with him. You're placed in him. Man, do you live life that way? I want my daughters to live life that way, especially when they start, you know, thinking about husbands. You know, when somebody starts acting all kinds of crazy, I want them to just roundhouse kick somebody and say, don't you know who I am, right? Okay. I do want to see the roundhouse kick. I was going to apologize for not. <laughs> Seated in Christ in heavenly places. So that in the coming ages, listen to this, so that in the coming ages, instead of God showing you his wrath, he might show you the immeasurable, no, you can't measure it, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. That, that's a good reality. Number one, as children of God, you're no longer bound to disobedience. As children of God, we have a new DNA and a new I I identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. It's incredible. You know what that means? Spiritually speaking, you're awakened, born again. You are children of God. There's a new DNA with you. Even when you die, you don't really die. You don't die. You just are ushered into a new life where life swallows you up even more so. You're a new creation, right? And we await that day when instead of dying, we actually see him face to face. We have a new identity. We have a new DNA. We are children of God. 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, as children of God, third thing, as children of God, we have a new future. Right? So not only are we not children of disobedience, we now have a new identity. We have a new DNA in Christ, 
And here we are, as children of God, we have a new future. 1 Corinthians 13, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then when we're before Jesus face to face, right? For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known by him. The Bible speaks of this transformation process where our bodies will be transformed. And we have something to look forward to, right? Our future is a hopeful future. Not just here on earth will we see the land of the, the goodness of God in the land of the living, but we look forward to eternity with him. We have a good future in him. Anybody here excited about seeing him face to face? I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing him face to face. As children of God, he provides for us. Right? We, we dove, we've been diving into this on, uh, on Wednesdays, and we talked about Matthew 6, when Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, do not pray like the heathen. Do not pray like those hypocrites. You know, They repeat their words over and over and over and over again. Uh, they say things for attention of others. Don't do that. Instead, when you pray to your Father, don't worry even what you ask, because he knows what you need before you ask him. Why, why did Jesus say when you pray, don't worry about what to ask him because he knows what you need before you ask. Because prayer is, about, is supposed to be about the Father. He wants you to focus on intimacy. Not what you need. God knows what you need. He wants you to go to the Word. He wants you to go to him so that you would know him as Father. And then he says, as he teaches us to pray about our provision, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. God's got you. Every day, exactly what you need. For the hour when you need it. At the hour when you need it. Isn't that good news? As children of God, God is your provider. As children of God, you are affirmed by Him. As children of God, your affirmation comes from God. And let me tell you something. God is a God who gives words of affirmation. I don't know if you're someone here thirsty to have the approval of someone, to have someone say, I'm proud of you, to have someone look at you and say, man, I'm so proud of what you've become, and I just believe in you. If, if that's you today, I want you to know God, your Father, loves you, and he's a great God of affirmation. You look at the Bible, and you look at the way that God affirms his people. Nobody affirms better than God. You remember when Phineas was jealous with the jealousy of God. He hated sin like God hated sin, and he went and attacked those people who were living in sin. What did God do? He stopped the whole deal. He said, now that's, that's my man. That guy is my man, and he will always have someone that will stand before my presence. That's a pretty big deal. Remember when Hannah prayed, right? She said, God, give me a son. What did God do? That's my girl. Watch what I'm going to do with Hannah. I'm going to change the world through her son. Right? Incredible. How about Mary? Humble Mary. Nobody knew about Mary. Who's this teenage girl? You know? And God says, I know her. <laughs> Watch what I'm going to do with this teenage girl. <laughs> Incredible, the God of the lowly. And look at Jesus. When Jesus was being baptized, what incredible affirmation. Right? He comes up from the water. The heavens are open. The, 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 uh, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and God the Father says, This is my Son, in Him 
I am well pleased. Our God is the God of affirmation. And he wants to affirm you today. Check out this scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God as children of uh, uh, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That, that's it's something that as children of God, he provides for us. That's, that's actually the point on the next slide, that the, the latter uh, slide that shouldn't be in there. But I want you to just focus on that, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ. In other words, what does that mean? God wants you to live your life fully aware of all his love for you. He wants you to live your life fully aware of how he affirms you. And the last thing as we close, as children of God, we win. As children of God, we win. We win. Doesn't matter what storm. Doesn't matter what trial, doesn't matter what crossroad, we win. The church knows no defeat. The church knows no turning back. We win. Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? As it is written, for your sake... We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You don't just win. You don't just skate by. You stomp the enemy. You are more than conquerors. In other words, you conquer and then some, and a bag of chips, and wedding cake. Can I get a witness? Two weddings. I got no wedding cake. But I'm going to get my wedding cake one day. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We win. The best part of a wedding is the wedding cake, right? Well, what's wrong with me? Listen, we win. You are more than conquerors. As a parent, more than a conqueror. As a husband, more than a conqueror. Right? As a businessman or whatever field you're in, more than a conqueror. You win. You win. This is your right as children of God that you have to take up. When you're facing the storms that you face, I'm a son of the living God. I win. When the enemy says that you have no worth, you say, I am a daughter of the living God. I win. This is who you are more than a conqueror. This is your right as children of God. Would you stand with me? The, even the earth, the Bible says, cannot wait for the manifestations 
the manifestation of the sons and daughters. <laughs> now, I know, I'm not making less of our walk with Jesus when I say this. Please understand that. But I, I want to walk in the fullness of a son before the Father. Can I say that? This reality that I'm more than a conqueror and that in everything I win. Somebody brought a word on Wednesday. They said that they would realize that every morning they woke up with this burden, like this failure, or like the rug is going to be pulled up from under them, right? Like the rug was going to be pulled up under. Like they wake up with this fear and anxiety, like, you know, something's going to happen today. It's just not going to work out. And there were believers. They finally said, why am I waking up every morning like this? Why do I wake up this way? And, it, and she basically boiled it down to, I hadn't received the revelation fully of God the Father. When you receive fully the re when we receive fully the revelation of God the Father, it gives us this incredible discernment so that when we wake up in the morning and the spirit of fear tries to engulf us and choke the life out of us, we can declare, <laughs> "You lose, I win. Through Christ, I win." I am more than a conqueror. You see, that's important because that feeling begins to shape the way we manifest and live in this world. If we don't address that fear, that anxiety, those issues in the morning, that thought that maybe the rug's going to be pulled up from under us, then we're not able to walk in the manifestation of sons and daughters that God wants us to walk in. We have to address that today. How do we address that? Receive the fullness of that revelation of the Father and know that we win. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just begin to lift up your voice and celebrate God as Father. Just begin to thank Him for being a good Father. Thank Him for redeeming you from being children of wrath and disobedience. Thank Him for giving you the right to be His child, to be His son and His daughter. Hallelujah. Thank Him. Thank Him. It's already given you all the worth that you need. Brother Robbie said it in Bible study this week. You have a new identity. You're not lost. Nobody's lost. We're not finding ourselves. We don't need to find ourselves. <laughs> There's an adventure in Christ, and we are more than conquerors in that adventure. Your identity is in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you thank Him? Would you thank Him today? Hallelujah. 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 Today, right now, in this place, you're saying, I've not given my life to Jesus yet. I've not surrendered my life to Christ. But I want to. There's a yearning in me to know Him. A yearning in me to receive His grace. I believe in Jesus. And today, you can know the greatest father that there is. Today you can become a son. You can become a daughter of the living God. If you're here today and you're not walking in the fullness, the full revelation of God the Father, I want you to know something. He loves you. He loves you. 
and it is his will to reveal that fullness to you nothing about his will for you is shame and guilt and regret you can push away regret and receive your chosenness in Christ Hallelujah. now if you're here today and you're saying I want to receive the fullness of the Father and I want to celebrate it all of the days of my life I realize that I'm not walking in it but today I say I want to receive the fullness of God the Father and I, w- I want to do life out of that place and I-, I want the Holy Spirit to coach me to teach me how to walk in this relationship with the Father would you come up to the altar right now I want that fullness. I don't want to wake up in the morning every day feeling like the rug is going to be pulled up from me and and not address it and let it affect the way I do life, the way I do family, the way I do marriage, the way I do parenting. Here, I want to receive the fullness of the Father and walk in that place. Would you come to the altar right now? Would you come to the altar right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you what. I want you to know that I didn't preach to you a message that is not surgical for me, right? I can tell you that many days in my life as a believer, I woke up with a feeling like somehow, someway, God's going to leave me because I just keep messing up. I woke up feeling like somehow, someway, I'm going to do something to mess this up. Because that's what I do. I remember just waking up, trying to work my way to God. To a point where God had to kind of pull back. Just, you're never going to work yourself to me because then you're saved by works. I know what that is. And if you're here today, I I want you to know that doesn't have to be our reality. It begins by receiving the fullness of the love of the Father. Would you say yes to that today? Would you come to the altar right now and say, yes, God. I want to live in the fullness of your love. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we celebrate you today. Oh, Father, we celebrate your great grace. Father, we pray right now that we would all walk in the fullness of your grace. Jesus, that we would walk in the fullness of your love for us. That you would, Father God, just uh, reveal to us who you are. And today, God, we would just walk light. (laughs) That we would just walk lightly with you. Just like my daughters, God, when they just just walk lightly. They just celebrate. Do life out of celebration. God, I pray. Lead us to this place. It's our calling. It's what you have for us. We thank you today, Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in a mighty way. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Man, the altars are open. We'll be praying. God bless you today. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. Bless the Lord.